sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose with the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I'm joined by Russ Mould, who is Investment Director of AJL. We're going to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. Now, normally, uh, Russ, given that we're recording this the day after a budget, um, all our conversation would be about the budget and what it means to investors and, you know, is there anything interesting in it at all? But we're obviously going to have to talk about what's happening with the <laughs> the financial system uh, as a whole, which overshadowed yeah. it. But let's start by discussing the budget. Was there, it, well, apart from the fact that almost everything seems to be leaked beforehand, which once, of course, you know, saw a chancellor actually kicked out or having to resign for that mm-hmm. very thing. Was there anything that surprised you? Anything that pleased you? Or were you just uh, uh, I, mean, I think the leak thing is interesting. It always reminds me of Sir Humphrey Appleby's comment in Yes Minister that this isn't so much a department as a colander, which I think is <laughs> which I think which I think seems to be the, the modern world. And uh, I'm sure Sir Humphrey would be would be most di- displeased. Um in terms of the the, the the budget, I don't want to certainly get into the politics of it. And I think mm. what what Mr. Hunt was looking at was GDP is roughly number of workers times productivity. And he, he would argue that he tried to deal with both by with some supply side labor reformers trying to give people the opportunity or encourage them to, to, to get to get into the workforce and give them a chance either it's through childcare or those disability allowances or this very niche angle of increasing the lifetime allowance for pensions to to get wealthy surgeons uh, to, to stop them retiring in their 50s and then in terms of investment you know over three years something like 30 billion pounds of Investment tax breaks for IT, plant and machinery, life sciences, creative arts, medicine, quantum supercomputing, and so on. Uh, and, and it's all good stuff. But in the end, you're talking about some relatively small numbers here. I remember the American Chips Act was $280 billion last year. The Inflation Reduction Act in America is $269 billion for technology and renewables. And South Korea's Ministry of Industry, Trade and Energy this week introduced a six-year $420 billion plan for six industries electric vehicles mm. or, or self-driving cars, batteries and so on. Um, so Mr. Huntley said he's going to come up with a similar similar scheme in, in the autumn. So we'll see. But I think ultimately, you know, he's, he, he's probably done his best with a weak hand because there is no money. And I, you know, I think and I, I pointed out to the, my colleagues in the office yesterday and they sort of looked at me and said, oh, God, dinosaurs at it again. That when Mr. Hunt talks about the UK being a science and technology superpower in October 1963, Harold Wilson was talking about forging the British economy in the white heat of technology. So 60 years later, we're still having the same debate about British tech, British productivity. And so I just said to the to the boys and girls in the office, look, I said, I'm not being an old curmudgeon, but if a chancellor had a lever to pull that would get the economy growing rapidly and solve technology and productivity, it would have been done by now. It just can't be that simple. And I think the complication now is that we've got an annual interest bill of over £100 billion in net debt of you know, 1.8, 1.9 trillion pounds. There just isn't a lot of room for manoeuvre. I guess if you're looking for the encouraging stuff, the OBI's forecast that we might avoid a technical recession is fine, but that's only a forecast. I think overall, probably the fact that the bond market didn't fall out of bed and the currency didn't fall out of bed was probably as good as it got, quite frankly, from the narrow (laughs) perspective of of, of investments. And if any, and I, I guess to be fair, although you could give Mr Hunt credit for, you know, rebuilding some of the UK's tattered fiscal credibility, I suspect that the dive in two-year and 10-year bond yields was more a dash for safety as the banking system stumbled around elsewhere rather than, you know, Mr. Hunt yes. saying that we're borrowing a little bit less money than we thought. 
So it sounds a little as if what you're really saying is like that very, very old joke of the person asking for directions, I wouldn't start from here. I, I fear that's kind of where we are. And if you're looking, looking for other jokes about headlines, then it's probably down to Hemingway's, you know, small earthquake in Chile, no British people killed. Mm. Move mm. along. Nothing to see. Yes, fog in channel, continent cut off. And yeah, yeah. yeah, all, the, all, yeah. all that business. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's take a break because we have to discuss what on earth is happening with the, the, the banking system internationally. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose talking to Russ Mould in the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors on Share Radio. Now, many people may not have heard of Silicon Valley Bank, but I guess most people probably have heard of Credit Suisse. What yeah. is going on? You have okay. talked for a long time about the instability of the international financial system and the fact that very little has been put right since the financial crisis of 2007 and eight, particularly our dependence on debt. Is, is, are the chickens coming home to roost from failing to put things right then? I, I think, well, first, I mean, Silicon Valley Bank, nobody, not many people have heard of it before. And you know what? I think in 10 years' time, hmm. I'm not sure. I think it'll be like bearings, you know, horrible at the time. But yeah. in the end, just just a bit of a fun. And I thought that at the time. And all right, I, I may well look like a mug by the end of this week, given that people are clearly frightened of of, of contagion and what's going on at Credit Suisse, which is a, which is a bigger, more complicated situation. But yeah, I, I think I stand by the assertion that you know, interesting, I got a question from a very smart journalist lady today saying, you know, is the real root of the problem interest rates staying high for longer? I nearly fell off my chair. I thought they would have been going up for a year. <laughs> Bless her. So, so, you know, and I said, actually, I'm not, you know, what? I, I actually think the issue is people will come round to the issue that actually money has been too cheap for too long, as it was in the bubble of 1998, 2000. As it was before the subprime, subprime and mortgage bubble of two thousand, you know, of two thousand five to seven, mm. and and now I just think, you know, all you can say for, for legitimate reasons, money was just the wrong price. It was too cheap, and when money is cheap, it's treated with disrespect, and people do silly, risky things, which I think is exactly what Silicon Valley Bank did, and you know, Credit Suisse as an accident-prone bank has, has has probably indulged itself similarly, and the world has been awash with a tidal wave of liquidity that has dulled the senses to risk. This fostered risk appetite, and now you know to, to to steal from friend Warren Buffett. You know we've had that tidal wave of liquidity. Now it's going out. We're going to find out who's got no swimming trunks on, and we're, we're starting to go through that process. And it is going to be bumping. It is going to be pain. It is going to be a bit painful in certain areas. But I'm not convinced that it means we're going to get a repeat of 2007 to nine. What I would say is that it just means, as an investor, sticking to the trust to the disciplines. You know companies that. A jam tomorrow stocks that are burning cash. I, I think they're going to probably find it quite hard because I think we are, you know, in a different in, in environment where now money is being treated with a bit more respect. Mm. You are going to need companies with decent balance sheets. You are going to need companies with management that show integrity and common sense, which I think has been lacking in some of the instances that we've just been discussing. And I think valuation is is going to matter. And you know, therefore, I think we are in a. And these are not new things. They're just things that haven't really been relevant for about yes. 15 years because of that cheap money scenario. And so I think one exercise I'm currently doing for, for, for a, a, a think piece that's been rattling around in my head for ages is I've just had a look at things like, and this isn't to pick any of them, at things like cryptos, IPOs, SPACs, and the things like SPACs you can trap through, track through ETFs and IPOs. You can track through exchange-traded funds and trackers. Um, and looking at uh, things like the FANG stocks. Uh, and if you basically pull up the chart 
and draw a line from say March 2020 to now, mm. it's almost as if now the last three years haven't happened. And because the share prices just come come back to where they were then, or the trajectory, mm. the, the odd exception, Tesla's higher now than it was then, and so on. But even the meme stocks, if you look at those, they're a bit higher. But the charts, there's about nine, ten rallies now in those things. Fairly classic bear market stuff. You know, it's like that those Tom and Jerry cartoons with the cats walking around constantly <laughs> treading all the different rakes that have been left on yes, the floor. Yes, yes, yes. Like bang, bang. Oh, it's all right this time. Bang. And and it, and that's what the charts of GameStop and AMC Entertainment look like. And, it, and it's painful to relate. And it's not nice for the people involved, but it's classic post-bubble bear market action. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what I, that's still how it feels like to me. And I think, I guess the question now is, I mean, we've just seen the European Central Bank go through with its 50 basis point interest rate increase to 3%, which I think quite a few people thought they might back out of. It's interesting that you know, people are, I don't know whether the Fed's going to be flat, up a quarter, or up a half next week. Every day it's different. At the moment, they're looking for a quarter. Bank of England may be a quarter or flat. My suspicion is is that that's probably about it, if they do anything at all. And I think now that they will be cutting by the end of the year, but not for the reason that markets wanted to see, which was a cooling in inflation, a soft landing. It's because that that you know there's, there is trouble out there, and it is, and I think they. You know, we know that central banks generally raise rates until something breaks, either in the economy or the mm. financial markets or both. Maybe we've reached that point, as we've discussed before. Maybe four or five percent is the new seventeen percent. You don't need Volcker to take U.S. rates to seventeen percent because there's so much more debt in the system. So I think, and, and I think under those circumstances, if people get a sense that central banks aren't maybe quite as on top of this narrative as we were, as, as everybody assumed, I still think that would be potentially. Uh, a little bit tricky for, for credit, tricky for long duration assets, and potentially still quite helpful for real assets. And I noticed that Friend Gold is back above $1,900 an ounce. Russ, as ever, thank you very much. That's Russ Moe, Investment Director of AJ Bell, who I hope will be back with me again in a fortnight's time to look at the financial outlook for personal investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Mm-hmm.